midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Hello and welcome to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and we are here to break down the new year here. We have a new year, new fixtures, new title race here as things are getting a little closer uh, at the top. We have Mr. Logan Stump. Ahoy. And Mr. Matt Hartgrove. I'm ready for 2022 if anybody wants to. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> We're already writing off this year. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's been a rough few days. <laughs> uh, we are four days into the new year. Matt's ready to turn the page to 2022. I, I, 2022 <laughs> seems really nice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully this year picks up. Uh, picks up a little bit in in all instances here um so we have to talk about these after christmas games we talked about boxing day and the 27th but then games started right back up again on the 28th of december so we have a week's worth of fixtures to talk about from the 28th till today uh, though a few of those have been postponed so it might be a little easier to get through these than the last time we did one of these mega shows. Uh, so right now, as it stands, let's open it up this way instead. Uh, as it stands right now, let's go through the table. We have Liverpool at number one with 17 games played, 33 points, 16 goal differential. And we have uh, Manchester United in second place with 16 matches played, and 33 points. So they're joint top, uh, less goal differential. They only have a nine goal differential. Leicester City in third with 32 points. They've played 17 games as well. Tottenham in fourth with 29 points. They've played 16 games. Manchester City in fifth with 15 games played with 29 points. So everybody's talking about Liverpool United, but City, if they win both of their games in hand, can go up to what is that 29 plus 3 is 32 plus 3 is uh 35 if i'm doing all the math right which uh depending on how united handle their business next um you know it, it could could be top for manchester city or very close to it uh in six we have southampton with 29 points Seventh, we have Everton with 29 points. Aston Villa's in eighth with 26. They've got two games in hand. Uh, Chelsea in ninth, almost exactly halfway down the table with 26 points. 
uh, and 17 games played. They don't even have games in hand to help them out. Uh, we have West Ham in 10th with 26 points. Arsenal in 11th with 23 points. They've jumped up with two straight, uh, three straight wins uh, over Chelsea, Brighton, and West Brom. Leeds United in 12th with 23 points. Wolverhampton in 13th with 22 points. Crystal Palace in 14th with 22 points. Newcastle in 15th with 19 points. Burnley in 16th place with 16 points and two games in hand and then we have brighton uh verse uh we have brighton in 17th with 17 games played 14 points fulham in 18th place with 15 games played and 11 points so they could theoretically climb out of that and drag brighton in uh west brom in 19th place with 17 games played and only eight points and of course sheffield uh, United staying where they've been all season, pretty much in 20th place. Um, two points with 17 games played, 15 losses, two draws, no wins, as they are on a record-breaking pace this season, and they have Newcastle coming up here in a bit. So let's just react to uh, the table as it stands, and then we can kind of talk some results a little bit after that. Let's just kind of mix it up a bit for this week. Um Matt, you were kind of alluding to this before we got on the air, but you're very worried about Manchester United. You actually, I think, have to be part British because you're ready to uh, give them the title uh, 16 games in for them. Uh, just like, I feel like the British always do that. As soon as like something happens, they're like, oh, that's the title for this this team. And, you know, if, if a team scores two goals, they're like, oh, it's all over now. And it's like three minutes into the game. Um, but what is uh, your thoughts on Liverpool, Manchester United, and the top two? Uh, I I wouldn't say I'm like scared of Manchester United. If anything, I'm I'm more just impressed with them. I think I I really do think right now them and City have to be considered. Obviously, we can go back and forth every week, maybe at this point. But at the current moment, I don't see why those two teams are not the two favorites. For the title, um, they're besides City's fun parties they like to throw, causing COVID issues. Hey, well. um, <laughs> they're they're the two healthiest. They're also two very healthy teams, for the most part. I mean, you got Aguero's back too for City if they ever play them. I mean, they they're both those teams are doing the right. They're doing the right thing in order to win. Last year with Liverpool, Liverpool would. They would win games at the end. They would beat teams up at the start. They would come back. They were doing everything everything right. They played good defense when they had to. They would attack when needed. And honestly, both those teams are – that's what City and United are doing right now, and it's it's not what Liverpool are doing. So I, unless I, – I'm just impressed with them. I, I've watched pretty much every United game, and you just kind of get the sense that in the end they're going to win – which in a way kind of sucks. I hate I hate watching them and, and thinking that, but that's how I felt with all these games. Their game against Wolves, I was watching it going, just don't let them have a shot near the end because they're probably going to win, and, and that's what happened. And then the, I can't think of what their other game was where they had that weird penalty where Pogba tripped on his own legs, but they called it a penalty. But even I think then, that was just the last match that just happened, wasn't it? It was. I just can't think who they played for some uh, Aston Villa. Villa. 
like they're they're getting the right calls. I mean, obviously, you can we can talk about it all we want. I personally don't think it was a penalty, but that's what got called, and they made they made the they complete they converted the penalty. That was the word I was looking for. They're doing the right stuff to win, and if they everyone's kind of saying if one team goes on a run in all honesty united has been going on runs they have been crazy good on the road which is something else you have to be that's another thing liverpool have been awful liverpool are in the bottom half of the table in terms of away form they have two wins of their like 10 11 away games uh you know it's it's been a struggle for other teams but united and and right now city have looked great defensively i I personally think those two are your favorites, and I don't see that changing over the course of the next month or so unless one of those teams decides to stop playing well. Now, uh, Logan, your thoughts here as you are a Manchester City fan, and you're, you know, I feel like City is starting to hit their stride here. Uh, to get their scoring boots all they had to do was face Chelsea, and uh, there you go. Uh, that right at that wrong <laughs> there. Uh, but what what are your thoughts on, you know, we, we did mock those odds recently of the chances of City winning the title. Um, just because they were so, they, I mean, they were absurd how large of a percentage gap it was. Uh, but your thoughts on on city and how they just played in these last uh, this last match here because the last game before that was uh postponed right the uh everton match was postponed on the 28th yeah. so uh your your thoughts on your chances city's chances for the title now as this title race is starting to get uh it's it's very close at the top here with what the top uh let's say 7 Teams are four points apart. Yeah, uh, City looks good. Uh, like Matt said, I think City's finally turned the corner with United turning the corner too. Um, and it, it's it's a lot of fun because it's uh, I listen to a lot of the City stuff, obviously. Um, but it's fun to hear. Even the United fans, I mean, it's kind of fun banter back and forth right now because both of them seem to have hit stride right at the same time. Um, and then we play Wednesday against each other. And that's semifinal in the Carabao, but it, it'll it's it's a lot of fun to watch because uh, you know I, I think for a little bit City felt like we were out of it because we couldn't score, but now it seems like the defense has held us up and propped us up to that position that we're currently in. And I think that going forward, I think our attack looks better. Um, over the last three games, we had four goals against Arsenal in the Carabao, um, which isn't extremely difficult. But then we played pretty well against Newcastle, scored two. Um, and then we just cranked out a 3-1 win against Chelsea, which I honestly thought we could have had more. Um, but but I'll settle for three. But yeah, I think right now I mean it was 3-1. Yeah, 3-1. Sorry, um, <laughs> but don't 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 get rid of that goal that we, we should have got rid of the end there. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I mean, right now Chelsea uh, Chelsea looks to be fizzling out some. Um, and I'm not sure that they're going to be able to get it back. Fizzling is soon. one word for it. <laughs> um, Liverpool, I think the injuries eventually catch up to them. Some, um, they're still a really good side. I think that they're they're eventually threatening. catch up. That's it's happening. Yeah. Well, I think they. I mean, 
essentially, I think that the problem is is that with with so many injuries, I think there's so much pressure on other guys to play in positions they're not used to playing in, and I, I think it puts a lot of pressure on the attack then too because guys aren't in positions they normally are. Um, it's it's tough to watch Liverpool um, because I do think if it continues to go the way that it did today, I mean, I could see Liverpool still being around, but I think United and, and City. As of right now, of course, that's what Matt said. It could be totally different in two games or two weeks' time because the games are so wonky. But uh, it does. It looks like City's finally back. And United, I think, is good for football. I think it's it's a lot of fun when they're good because everybody really does dislike them from every club. So it's funnier when they're bad, it's though. Fun. Yeah, it's funnier, but I think it's, <laughs> it's more fun to beat them up when they think they have a chance, too. So, But, yeah, no, I, I think City have a really good chance now, especially with – the way that Liverpool's kind of played lately and what kind of form they're in. And now we're starting to get down to some pretty important months. I mean, when I look at this, I, I think the this kind of like longer break here that's about to happen, you know, with, uh, you know, like I, th- there's there's a little bit of a gap here for the, until the next game, um, which I think is going to help Liverpool a bit. Uh, I know, Matt, you said you didn't think, in our text thread, you didn't think they looked too tired. It was, you thought they weren't, you know, trying as much. But I I do think that with their injuries and and probably the lack of rotation that's available because of those injuries and them having to play in some of these weird positions, I I think this little break can be um, – a good spot for it to happen right now because I think they need to gather themselves up. What I would also say is I think they need an actual striker. I know they play the false nine with Firmino, but when it's not working, I think they need something to resort to as a backup. They probably do. I just, I don't know where you're getting. I don't think that's something they'll find in January. Costa, just go get Diego Costa. Klopp's not ever going to sign him. And, (laughs) But I, my point being, if Klopp wants to or not, that it's irrelevant in the sense of, you know, I think that some teams just get so set in the ways that they play that when there's there's nothing there for for Plan A, they don't have any backups. Like if they had Acosta that they were able to bring on in like the 60th minute. And then because the way that Southampton was playing where they were compact in the box and playing such good defense, you would actually have a target forward to to whip the balls into if you needed to, just to kind of get maybe something going, changing some I sort of I, plan here. I think to an extent their part, I know Jota's not tall. However, he has scored multiple times through headers. I think they are missing him way more than way more than I expected. I, I loved what he did, but I also was like, you know, he's been great, but you still have that front three. And so that it can't, you know, he's still the fourth guy. However, I, I think they're missing him a lot. And he's probably, if things go well, he's probably back by, I, if I'm remembering the schedule correctly, I would say maybe the Tottenham game at the end of the se- at the end of January, but I still kind of wouldn't expect it till early February. In regards to really signing, I there if they sign anybody, it will be a center back. And I think, I think that's because when you watch these games now, you're seeing the problem with having two center mids, especially one who, in Fabinho, who's 
a, a great center back, but he's a world-class defensive mid. I, I think they are, you're starting to see how big of a struggle it is with those options at center back. And the fact that all three of their senior center backs are out. I mean, Gomez is out easily till next season. He, he had the worst knee injury of them all when it, the, the patella tendon is at this point in day and age is way worse than the ACL. Van Dyke sat like maybe comes back by April, May, but even then I'm not really holding my breath because I'd rather him just be fully healthy. And Matip is, they can't trust Matip. He, he's had, at one point, he started only one game from October to October. And that was a game, the first game back from the COVID lockdown against Everton, where he got hurt about 70 minutes in and then was out for the rest of the season. So I think if they do anything, they'll sign a center back because they, you saw it today, the biggest problem they had was with with Henderson and, Tia, and, and Fabinho playing center back, Tiago now has to play the CDM role instead of playing a little further up where he can actually be more creative. And I, I just think that the, you're seeing the problem with having midfielders play center back. Now they got through it to an extent, but right now, and unless they get a senior level center back in, and you know maybe Matip is healthy at some point, I it's going to continue being this way because they just don't have any th- one they don't have any aerial threat on corners it's i have no thought that they're going to score from a corner or and i'm also constantly thinking they're going to give one up because there's nobody in the middle but they also just they can't pass the ball as quickly as they want and i think it's really affecting their the wings as well so costa would be great but i just they need a center back more than i think they need a, a striker just get both there you go i just solved your problems <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish that what's also interesting I, I i wonder how big of a factor it is is that klopp at liverpool has not made a january signing he's made signings that have come in in january but he's never signed a player in the january window van dyke and minamino were agreed prior to january and then they just moved to liverpool when january started but he's never made a january signing and I'm very intrigued to see if he if that does happen. I don't really know if it will. I don't have much faith in it happening. Um, but we'll see. Um, moving back. Oh, before we leave Liverpool, let's 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 just finish up talking about Liverpool here. But before we leave Liverpool, uh, uh, Trent Alexander Arnold was not great uh today and um now you said that you can say he was awful (laughs) yeah well he was uh he gave the ball away was it 38 times yep which was the most any player in the premier league this year um he even got subbed out so he didn't even play the whole game yeah he got subbed out in the 78th minute i think it was yeah um yeah so really rough day for him there i think if i I couldn't find the highlights uh, just because NBC didn't post them quick enough because I was going to try to go back through them. But I believe he was the one that that, uh, gave the ball away, which then Thiago fouled uh, Southampton, which then led to their goal. And he also, I think, was the one who was supposed to be defending Danny Ings, or he was definitely in that area. He definitely was the one defending Ings. (laughs) I don't remember remember the ball because work just was so hectic. I I didn't get to 
see the exact moment, but I, I don't remember. I know the foul Tiago committed was it was soft. The one thing I, yeah. I was angry. The, there is one highlight that you'll see where Theo Walcott two foot slides James Milner, and the ref just oh yeah I no saw foul. that yeah. Um, that bothered me because I was like that's a foul. Like I don't. There's a lot of questionable calls that people are posting, and that's the one that only really bothered me. I was like that's. I don't know how you two foot somebody. You don't touch the ball and you still don't get a foul called. But yeah, he he was bad. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I don't know if his play, especially recently, has been really affected with the fact that there aren't two regular center backs playing. I want to say yes. I feel like he. I, I I don't know if he's trying to trying so hard that his attacking is going down and his defensive ability is, isn't there. Cause I know his defensive ability is not his greatest quality, but I, I think getting, I think that's another player who getting some center backs in that's at least one would do a world of good for, cause I think that would make him feel less pressured at this point. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you if you thought it had anything to do with the change of the center backs, but uh, yeah, he was, uh, not great today, um, or if you want to say awful, whatever word you want to use to describe it. Uh, it was a rough day at the office for Trent Alexander-Arnold. Moving on here, um, let's talk a little bit about Manchester United, because I feel like uh, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't get enough credit at times with Manchester Manchester United in the sense of there was even just a little bit ago, what, a few weeks ago, uh, people were still calling for him to be fired. Uh, you know, the media, the British media and stuff, calling for him to be fired. And I have to think it's because he's not English. Because, I mean, Frank Lampard keeps getting passes by the media all the time. Rarely ever talking about his job status until this match against City. But I feel like, you know, with the way that Skolsgar has been uh, managing this season and, and the fact that, you know, they're now joint top with a game in hand here and made it through the Champions League uh, group, you know, they're in a really good spot uh, this season for a run here. And I, I just can't believe people were just a little bit ago when they had games in hand anyway, calling for him to lose his job while Frank gets pass after pass while he sits in ninth place with no games in hand. So Logan, I ask you, is he an underrated manager? Um, I don't know yet. Like, I, okay. I, I think United have played really well. Um, but man, when they were bad early, they were bad. I mean, they looked like, I mean, to be honest, they look like when, when Everton can't score or when Newcastle can't score, that's how bad they had been playing. Now he's kind of righted that ship, and I think that kind of gives him at least some pass for now. And, and honestly, and they had a strong end to the season last year, too, right. you know, during the summer. Right. So, I, you know, if it's the roller coaster kind of thing, then so be it. And if you're going to finish top three or four, I think you're doing pretty well. But again, I, I do think. Is he underrated? Yeah, I think we, we give him a hard time because of the club that he's at and the 
caliber in which that club should be playing at, at all times, it seems. Um, and people have come to expect him to play well. And, and I think that when you look at him uh, compared to the other managers, he deserves a lot more credit than he gets. Um, I, I wouldn't put him up there in the likes of, like, Klopp, obviously. And, and I wouldn't put him in the likes of, no, Pep, of Pep just yet. But I think he's getting to a point where he has done some pretty impressive things with United. And honestly, I, I don't. their defense isn't very good. And it's played okay recently. So I think that's a testament, too, to who he is and how well he can coach. Because I, I'm not sure that they're back for is any good, really. I think he's got them playing well, um, which honestly is a testament to him because, I mean, Maguire looked horrible. Uh, Lindelof looked completely lost. Um, Juan Basaka was just, you know, it just, I I think people really don't think about um, Ole Gunnar because it's just easy to hate United, but I I think it's time that he gets some credit. Um, And I definitely think it's time that or Lampard, about calling him uh, Lank. Um, Frank gets a lot of scrutiny because I think he deserves it. Yeah, because what I was going to say here is, like I alluded to with with Solskjaer, is that you know that that people calling for him to be fired, all this stuff earlier in the season. It felt like right when the season started, you know, and they you know were kind of lower on the table, but. For me, when I look at this team and how they've played this year, this is, I feel like, the best chance of a United team winning the title since Ferguson left the club. And I feel like this is the most Ferguson-esque team in the sense of these come-from-behind victories, you know, uh, that they always had under Ferguson. They're not, like, late in stoppage time all the time like they used to be, but the fact that they beat Aston Villa after conceding a goal... And then they go ahead and, yeah, they get the penalty from uh, Pogba falling all over himself. But, you know, having to convert it and such and I and actually getting in that spot. I feel like earlier, like under Jose or even when they were struggling under Solskjaer is that they would just probably fall apart as soon as they gave up that that goal. But now they are uh, just thriving right now um i don't, don't have you, them don't think mm-hmm. like the scrutiny don't you think the scrutiny comes from the fact that everybody just wants to dislike everything united does because i mean that's honestly what i feel sometimes I feel, I feel like people just have a bone to pick with them i don't and i think it has more to do with the way that the media treats foreign managers at times because everybody loved ferguson he's a british manager not from england but from scotland right uh but all the all the media would salivate all over Ferguson. Like I'm not sure if he was still there when I, I think he wasn't there when you were uh, starting to watch the league, Logan. But I mean, it's the same way that people like salivate over Pep, and it was the same way, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the media does with like Bill Belichick or something. Like it was everything Ferguson ever did was always uh, revered in the media, and you couldn't escape hearing about how great he was. So. <laughs> Uh, I was happy when he retired, but um, so so I feel like coming from that perspective, I can't think it's just about everybody hating United. Maybe I think that might be what some of the actual like Twitter chatter is. But when you see stuff from like the media, like reports from the media, and even United fans calling for Solskjaer to be uh, fired earlier this year, or at you know some point during last year before the restart. 
that's where I feel like it's got to be some sort of inherent bias because we haven't heard anything about Frank or any pressure put on Frank until this result. And they're, you know, in ninth. And they've kind of been hovering around between seventh and ninth for a good chunk of this, you know, stretch here. They've lost four out of their last six. Um, so it's not been a good run for Chelsea. And it, what, they lose to a good city team and now the pressure's on? Not when they, you know, lose to Arsenal. Uh, not when they, you know, lose to Wolverhampton. So it, it's that kind of stuff where I feel like at times it's got to be some sort of other uh, bias. But um, I don't know. I'm not I'm not very sure what it is. I'm hoping he starts getting the credit because uh, they, they played really well in the restart. They're playing well now. Yes, it could be part Bruno Fernandez, but he still has to put out the lineup. He still has to coach. Um, I still think it's odd that Van Der Beek is, is not playing much, but right now it seems to be working. So I guess that's all you can really say at this point. But um, I think we've covered United pretty well here. Um, just real quick, let's, let's take a look at Leicester here. Let's just go down the table in the order that they are here. Um, Leicester beat uh, Newcastle... Um, Two to one on January third. That was yesterday, and they drew with Palace one to one. So this is where I feel like Leicester is in this. Yes, they're in third, and they're only one point behind top right now. <clears throat> but I feel like if they were more consistent, they would be at the top. I mean, there's so many times where they have a letdown against a team that they should beat. I feel like, um, like drawing against Palace. Uh, I think they had problems with Fulham at one point. But then they'll also beat teams like they'll draw with United or they'll beat Newcastle, who they should beat. So they're like it, it's kind of like almost like flipping a coin sometimes. I feel like with Leicester of which one of them is going to show up, um, you know, today. Uh, so I guess Matt, your thoughts on Leicester and former Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers and their results here? They're only one point behind the top, but like we said before, United have that game in hand. Yeah, um, so a lot of what you said, I was like, when you were saying, you know, like it's, they have bad results against like mediocre teams. It, I feel like that's kind of the entirety of the Premier League season. So I guess I'm not, I'm not really taking too much into account at, at this point with some of these games because it seems like random things happen where leads can be, you know, leads can be to West Brom 5 mil, but City and Liverpool can barely do anything against West Brom. It, it's a weird season, and I feel like Leicester are a team that it's almost like this is the perfect kind of season for them because they're already they do already tend to have these results. I think it's it's some weird thing with Rodgers where I've I've kind of always said it. I don't trust a Brendan Rodgers led team to do something huge until he finally can kind of get them consistent results in the, the big matchups. And he kind of tends to always fail in those. Um, I watching them like, like I was watching them against Newcastle and I, I was more impressed with their play against Newcastle than I was Liverpool, even though we would all agree Liverpool probably have better players, but they're, they seem to be more open or I don't know if Newcastle was playing more open and that kind of caused it, but they have times where they look like such a great team and they, they are getting healthy and I, I like their players. I like Barnes. I like, you know, Vardy's a 
great guy to have up top, and he always seems to know how to score. Um, I really like Tielemans. I think he's probably one of the better midfielders in, in the league. But then you're—I mean, you're right. They'll go to—they'll go to a Fulham and they'll look out of their depth, or they'll go to a, a Sheffield and, and struggle, and they'll go to Palace and barely nick out a draw. I, I'm honestly—I can't remember some of the results, so maybe that—that's not exactly how it went. But they—they just—it's a great season to be inconsistent. However, they need to prove that they can at least be some decent level of inconsistent and not a poor inconsistent where they get to the top. It, it seems like when they get to the top, that's when they start faltering. You know, they'll play well as a three, four, five, six ranked team, but the moment they become one or two, then they have really awful results and then they work their way back up and then it happens again. It, it's just a, I don't know if it's a Rogers thing, but I, they just, they need to show a little bit more to, to think maybe they'll compete with United or City at the top right now because those two teams are starting to play consistent, and that's what's scary in this kind of season is that the first, if there is any team that has a consistent run of 10 to 15 games where they win, you know, win 10 of them, win 11 of them, draw the rest, if any team does that, I, I can't see that team not winning the league but if you had to give me a list of teams that I think could do that, Leicester would be fifth or sixth, depending on how I feel about Chelsea that day. All right. Um, looking at the table here, next up is Tottenham. They got their win back here. They beat Leeds 3-0 uh, um, after having two losses and two draws out of their last Five, they get a win there. Um, that puts them enough to get back up to fourth. They're only four points off of the lead, but like we said, United have that game in hand, which will be played on the 12th, which is next Tuesday. Uh, Logan, your thoughts on Tottenham's positioning uh, on the season so far, and uh, if that Leeds result is enough to get them back on track here. Um, scoring three against Leeds doesn't really phase me too much because I think a lot of teams can do it. Um, and when you get down, when Leeds gets down, they're they're not like they're not like Fulham and they're not like Brighton where they just or West Brom at that where they just kind of just camp. If they got down two nil, West Brom would just camp and make sure that they don't. But I, I think Leeds, when they get down, their initial reaction is to go back after people. Um, and really open up the game, and they really don't have the defense to, to do that. Um, they, they play way too open, um, and I, I think Tottenham, that's just a nightmare um, matchup for them. But again, when you look at the table, I think Tottenham Tottenham's played well to get to this point, but they have dropped some pretty key games lately. Um, they drew to Crystal Palace, they've lost to Liverpool, lost to Leicester, um, drew with Wolves. Uh, had that game against Fulham canceled, and then this is their first game back, I guess, on form, as they would say. But I'm not going to put one game against Leeds on something that you know somebody's turning something around or their form is getting turned around, just because I I don't I, I think they're actually trending the wrong direction. Um, but, and again, I think it it comes with Kane and Son. They had to cool off at some point, and when those two cool off, again, it, it's difficult to score. And again, we bring it up every week. I think. 
of just how much they rely on the two of them. Um, and, and other teams rely on two or three. But, I mean, this is like heavy loads of, of scoring. When you've got Sun at 12 and Kane at 10, 29 goals uh, total, That that's that's a lot of goals coming from just two players. And then the next one is Ndombele. So it's, you know, and, and the goals that he's gotten – aren't fantastic goals. They're just ones that he's able to get, you know, the ball sees its way through. Um, so uh, if I'm Tottenham, I- I'm a little concerned just because I don't think you're not, you're never going to be like a city or a United in sense of being able to go in and buy somebody in January. That's going to make a huge difference. I don't think, um, and I, I'm not sure Mourinho is really capable of adjusting his style of play. So if it's not going well, it's going quickly the other direction. Um, so yeah, they're they're in a really weird spot for me. I think I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about them, but they, they've kind of lost their stink, their steam a little bit. Um, I'm I'm kind of indifferent to them again. I guess I think that they, I mean. I mean, they're only four points off the top right now. We'll see what United does against Burnley, which could put them seven back or five back. But I think that, uh, look, I, I think that they are, they have good players. I, I do think that they have good players better than just Son and, and Kane. But when those two are on, I feel like that can lead them to the promised land. It can lead them to the top four. It can lead them, you know, higher, I guess. Um, and I think that they have, you know, that they're they're definitely better than Chelsea is at this point. Um, so so we'll see how that goes, I guess. It, you know, it hurts as a uh, Chelsea fan, I guess, because they're a London rival, <laughs> one of our biggest rivals. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I think... They need to finish in that top four to have a shot at keeping both Kane and Son because I do think that they could both move on. I think Son would fit in very well at Liverpool. And I think Kane would fit in very well at like a Manchester United or, uh, you know, I don't think he would really fit in at City all that well. So I would say like a Manchester United or, you know, even somewhere overseas really where he could fit in pretty well. Um those are my thoughts. Uh, any thoughts, Matt, on on Tottenham as they get their win back? Uh, I just pretty much same as Logan. I don't I don't see three goals against Leeds as any type of world beater stuff at this point. Um, especially because since they play so open, the moment they get behind, they're going to take even more risks to kind of to to score. And I think that's why you see them give up you know, four, five, six goals against these top teams and then beat the daylights out of the, the really bad teams because it's the it, they're a perfect mix. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I expected Tottenham to win that game. Um, but even then, I'm not, I'm not overly... I guess I'm just not overly impressed in, in how they play. I know I, I don't like their style of play. Um, I, I don't think I'll ever be a fan, I guess, of, of teams sitting back. Um, that's because I've watched Liverpool with, with two managers who I think that's the last thing either Rodgers or Klopp would ever really do. Um, they're just, they're, they're just not, not too thrilling. And you do take Kane or Son out, and I, I just don't think you have much of a team there. I, I 
they're so dependent on those two that they need them to stay healthy the entire season. And if, if one of them goes out for a stretch of a week or two with how many games are being played, that's, that's a chance of missing two to four games. And at this type of season, losing four in a row or losing three or four is probably going to knock you out um, just because there's so many teams to climb up after that point. So, uh, you know, they're, they need to find a way to, to create more without Sun and Kane. And if, if they do, I think they can be a, a bigger threat than what they are. Would you like sitting back if it won you a title or won you a Champions League? <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, I think I, it's one of those things where I, I guess in every sport, honestly, I'm I've never been a defensive person. I've never been a fan of the of the team with a great defense. I think it's because I, I I kind of am more of a somebody who likes to watch points. Like you know, for instance, in the NFL, if the Dolphins are winning by thirty, I, I want them to keep scoring. Like I, I don't want them to stop. I hate when they just start running the ball. um i obviously it'd be great to win like i I wouldn't be mad if it worked but at the same time i there's a i feel like when a team right now it's not happening but with liverpool but when liverpool were scoring a bunch earlier this year i always went into the game assuming that they would get a couple of goals and even if they went one back i kind of felt like there was still a shot um but I feel like in a defensive style with Tottenham, if it if it wins you something great, but do you go into games feeling confident, or is it every game like we better score the first goal here because at this point, are we gonna get another goal? Are we gonna have to? Well, you know, if we fall behind, can we score a goal? And I, it definitely works to an extent because Jose's made a career out of it. Um, but as the game progresses, I think that style of play needs to be manipulated or adjusted because I don't think with how sports and just in general are evolving points and scoring those are the, the two main goals and the teams that that score tend to get wins I know you still can win defensively but I think he needs to make there needs to be some sort of adjustment to his style for Tottenham to be at the top at the end Wow, do you say if the team scores more, they win usually? You bet. <laughs> that's, um, that's the best advice. I'll, no, what I'll tell <laughs> you is, as somebody that, <laughs> as somebody that is a fan of Chelsea, and that's how we won our Champions League almost ten years ago. As crazy as that sounds, um, I would say it. Do I go in every game feeling confident we would win? No, but it made it even more fun because a lot of those times we actually gave up the first or even the second goal and would come back from behind and, and, and win while playing uh, ultra conservative. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Cause like we gave up the goal against um, Bayern Munich in like the 80 some minute uh, in that final. And at that point I'm thinking it's over, but we somehow get a corner kick Drogba heads it in uh, and and there you go. Um, so for me, that actually made it even more uh, exciting. I would rather that than a you know six nil uh, victory over Bayern Munich in the Champions League because at that point it gets very uh, 
it just gets boring of watching us uh, we're very score we're very goals and goals and goals <laughs> <laughs> i want to see goals and goals and goals i want liverpool winning six seven nothing every game i don't i don't handle one nil two one at the, last year was freaking awful on my on my health but see is, that's so that's so much more fun uh you know heart attack aside because you get um for me it, it, it's a at least then every kick every play is pretty much mattering at that point instead of you know if i if i'm like manchester city winning three nothing uh leading three nothing over Chelsea, like thirty minutes in, I, it just—it's at that point. It's like, why am I even still watching this? At that point, they're gonna—they're just going to, you know, keep. Uh, they're just gonna put it away and, and and win, you know, handedly. Like at that point, it's already over. At least, at least if I, you know, yes, I would want to win the game. Ideally, is I want to win the game, and ideally, you would want to win it by scoring a lot, but. As a fan watching the game, I would actually rather be entertaining than just, you know, watching them pummel. But I mean, I'm also a Baltimore sports fan, and you know, uh, I think one reason why I really appreciated parking the bus in 2012 was because uh, I, I kind of just grew up learning and loving defense for the Ravens' defense and winning Super Bowls that way. That I think it really helped me appreciate. Um, that's that style and leaning on that because uh, you know people would say that's not football it's not soccer or whatever but you know the point is to score like you said as many goals uh, or more goals than the opponent and we would still do that even playing defensively so to me those are all still valid wins while people would try to you know poo poo that but um so i can see why jose plays it because uh, again obviously he doesn't you know probably think that he has the squad or the team to score, you know, six goals against Liverpool uh, to win a game. But uh, let's move on. We kind of talked about Manchester City already. Um, you know, they're they're up and coming here. Southampton, uh, they just beat Liverpool today. I thought they played a very good game. They have... Um, Looks like three draws, one loss, and one win in their last five. And that loss is against Man City, which was a 1-0 loss. So they're doing very well at keeping, uh, you know, the, their defense is doing a good job at limiting how many people are scoring. I mean, they gave up one against Arsenal, one against City, and then none against Fulham, none against West Ham, and none against Liverpool. So they're hitting a good stride there. They're up to sixth place here uh is it realistic logan for them to get into uh the top four uh, um no <laughs> i'm gonna go no um just because i think at times like you know i, I think with the reliance on harry kane and son like tottenham I, I think they rely heavily on danny ings and he just always scares me about getting hurt again. And if he goes down or if he has issues and not be able to score, then they really just struggle to get things going sometimes. Um, I think they'll make it close. I think they'll push for Europe in some capacity, whether it's Europa or maybe top four if they're lucky. Um, but I, I don't see them being around um, 
in, in the conversation of being in top four once we hit about February. I, I think they'll start to drop some games here and there and some points that kind of do them in. Um, I, I just, I'm not impressed completely with their attack. How about, uh, Matt, you ju- your team just faced off against them. Do you think they have what it takes to make a top four push or a, let's say even, you know, a European place and with fifth place or? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I agree with Logan. Southampton um, fans turn off the show now. <laughs> no, I mean, they're, they're an impressive team. I, I think they're from where they were at one point last year with their, you know, I believe it was last year was, or, you know, what are we in 2021? So like 80 years ago in 2019, um, you know, when they lost nine nil to Leicester. I don't think that math checks out. (laughs) It feels like it does. Um, You know, they, they were at a point, it seemed like such a low point and they were a team with very little direction. They, they didn't have any talent. It didn't feel like they had talent. Um, having Danny Ings healthy is a great, great addition. Their defense, when Vestergaard is healthy, is is honestly a, not a bad defense between him, Kyle Walker-Peters. You know, they they played well defensively today, but again, I I just think Liverpool are, in a sense, I I think Liverpool right now are in such a, a string of indecision in the final third where some players aren't shooting when they normally would, some players are, aren't passing when they normally would, and it just looks so out of, out of sorts. I think that assisted in Southampton's victory today, but at the same time, their coach is really talented. They have a strong attack. They have a, a pretty decent midfield. I mean, I, I like James Ward-Prowse, but I'm not overly fond of any of the other midfielders. Um, their team has enough talent for, for top 10, I just I don't think you can put them in Europe unless you know that seventh place uh, you know is is some is something that you can really look at if if seventh place becomes a European spot I I think they have the talent to overcome the Evertons and um, the West Hams and and the Wolves Chelsea's and, and well I, right now I, I maybe so <laughs> um, I, I still think Chelsea will be higher up there at the end but I, I think Southampton can can do it if that if that happens but if we're going for you know the locked in always always places i don't think they have the talent that united and city and in liverpool on a normal way style of play style or type of day um you know i don't think they could beat a tottenham in in general i don't think they could i think there's a team i'm missing maybe it is chelsea that i'm missing there but I, I just don't see it right now. I don't see the chances that they can get a top five spot um, unless some things go haywire. And that means a lot of injuries to a lot of teams. You know what? I'll say I think they have a shot. Uh, when looking at their defense right now, they have a top I four defense. Um, they, they have a top four defense. Uh, they've only given up 19 goals. Uh I think the lowest is City, uh, Tottenham with 15, Aston Villa with 16, and then they're tied with uh, Arsenal for only giving up 19. So they've uh, they they got a good defense. <clears throat> um, their last results here, like I stated, were were pretty good results in holding teams to you know one goal a game. 
uh, pretty much even Manchester City was stopped there. I know City wasn't on fire back then either, but still a, a good result there for them. Um, like you said, it might have to take that, you know, somebody winning in the top four a cup that then pushes the spot down to sixth or seventh to help them out there. But I, and we can pivot to Chelsea here as well, I guess, even though we have to wrap up time anyway at some point because if we keep going the pace we're going, it's going to be a three-hour show. But I, I don't have faith Chelsea will will fix this. And I know as a Chelsea fan, I sound very negative all the time on them for it, but I just don't think tactically Frank is there. And I'm not even sure who they could bring in. You know, people have linked Thomas Tuchel. They've linked Max Allegri. I'd actually really like Allegri. I think Tuchel, I think would be okay. But right now PSG is in like third place in a, in a league that's usually a one, one team league at this point. So that's kind of worrying. Uh, in that regard, it seems like he may have lost the locker room there. Um, yes, he knows Pulisic from Dortmund, but other than that, I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah, he got to a final, you know, in the Champions League, and and you'd have to look at that and say, yeah, that's that's what he could do. But again, I'm just not sure if that fits the team that he would be given here. And like I've said over the weekend in our text threads and stuff. I don't know if a new manager all of a sudden makes Timo Werner or Havertz better. I think that they still are adjusting or, you know, I mean, did you guys see Werner this week? He like kicked a corner flag while he was trying to take a corner. He's not getting any better. No, no, he's just freaking confused. He's not getting any better at this point. And, um, I'm just surprised we just don't start Giroud all the time at this point, or Abraham. Um, you know, I know they wanted to probably try with Zayek coming into the side, him on the right, Pulisic on the left, Werner in the middle, so they actually get Timo in his spot. But I mean, he just hasn't looked good. And and again, he looked fine at the beginning of the season. For whatever reason, I do think there must be something mentally wrong with when they lost six nothing to Spain, because when he went on that international trip. And lost six nothing to Spain and comes back. This is when I really feel like he started to look not as good. I mean, there was that game earlier in the season where he scored two goals very quickly, where I thought he looked pretty good. Um, I'm, it's got to be some sort of confidence thing at this point, and I'm just not sure how to work him out of that. And I don't think a new manager just all of a sudden helps it because it's not like Frank is not backing him. Frank's putting him in the lineup uh, all the time to try to get this. Uh, sorted out so I, I I don't know how that fixes it Havertz is still adjusting he you know he had the assist with uh the goal that happened this weekend uh, that Hudson Adoy put in so I think that Southampton Everton Aston Villa any of those could really stay above Chelsea the the rest of the season Aston Villa is right there you know even with Chelsea but they've um you know, have those two games in hand. Everton has a game in hand from their game that was just postponed. So it it really isn't looking good for Chelsea right now. Uh, and like I said, when we were bringing in Mendy, like I, I, I thought that would help, but I didn't think that would right the full ship. And I feel like 
lately that's been true. Uh, he's had like one clean sheet in his last six matches. Um, not everything is on him though, but I feel like the defense is starting to fall apart again. And, you know, yes, I think he giving up the first goal against city, I didn't put too much on him there, but the goal that Foden scored, which was at his near post, he has to do better there. Um, so I, you know, part of it's him as well. Uh, part of it, I think, is just the defense as a whole for whatever reason. And I think that's partly Frank's setup. I don't know. You know, we've heard that when he was at Derby that he wasn't tactically well enough for defense there and that they leaked goals. And it's starting to rear its head again. So, and I'm not saying he needs to be fired. If they can bring in some sort of defensive person that can help him run defensive tactics or if he can learn, I mean, there's got to be some way to help it out without the answer always being firing them. But, you know, there's been numerous conflicting reports here that Frank is going to have time was the report today, but the report yesterday was that he's on the hot seat. So um, I think the reason they said today that he has time is because the top four and top nine are really close. We're only like seven points off right now that it's, you know, not too far gone for them. But I, I seriously don't think in the form that they're in where Pulisic is the best player on the pitch with a seven point something match rating and everybody else has 5.5 or six point something match ratings that they're going to ever climb out of this. So we'll move to you, Logan, real quickly. Your thoughts on Chelsea uh, since they you just saw them up close when they played Manchester City. Um, I agree with you. I think it's something with him just doesn't sit well with defense. And then also, I, there just seems to be times where your players are just so out of place that they don't seem comfortable in, in the positioning that they're in. Um, and I don't know if, and I think it eventually gets to a point where, where players give up on a manager um, or at least lose trust enough to not believe the system that, that's in place. And I think you're getting to that. It definitely looked like that, shift. yeah. Yeah, I think you're getting to that head soon. And when they pulled Zayek out, and he was hurt, um, you know, last, what was it, last couple of weeks? Um, and when they pulled him out, he just kind of looked distraught, kind of like, you know, I didn't play to my full capabilities here. Um, and I think the other part, too, is that he was so hesitant with Pulisic, and he's so hesitant to give him what he needed. And now that he's given Pulisic more of the, the helm, I think that that's, you know, been kind of questioning why, you know, why Frank waited so long. Um, and then there's times where I think it must be something where, and the funny thing is, is Hazard, why do I always say that? Um, Werner, not Hazard, he's he's long gone. Um, when Werner is up top, I think there's times where he's lost confidence. And I don't know if Frank says stuff to him or whatever it might be, but it just seems like every time something goes wrong, he's looking over there like, oh crap, like, please don't pull me out. Um, but he has. It looks like pulled. me. So like when I would mess up when I was ten, and I'm looking at the yes. bench, and my parents like giving them the thumbs up, like I'm okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't. And Havertz has not panned out yet. I think he does eventually, but he just seems like a ghost. I mean, it seems like he doesn't even. I don't even know because I don't watch him play enough. Um, like you might. Um, how much he's actually played lately because it just seems like i mean if he has he's played, been he's coming been on he's been coming on as like a sub recently okay yeah because yeah, i mean he's just been non-existent and, and again it city looked like such a better team and and chelsea has such good talent that i mean city should have made them look like a newcastle like that's what they made them look like 
Um, and there were times I thought we were going to score four, five, six, like we do when we like run up the scores year. against other people. Six, yes, nothing. Like I, right. And I and I think when you when you make a team that talented look that bad, that goes on a manager. That reflects on a manager. And and I've never, I've never been a huge fan of Frank's like tactics as a coach. Because I don't I, like you said. I think he's just not. He's not completely there. He's not going to be one of the top coaches we look back at and go, man, Frank Lampard, um, great, great manager. I just don't think that's ever going to be something you think of when you think of Frank. Maybe he can bring in his buddy John Terry and he can, you know, coach that back line or something. Yeah, before we get to you, Matt, uh, there was a funny tweet I saw that was, you know, yes, Tuchel got, you know, PSG to the Champions League final and has won Liga un titles but frank's greatest achievement was not even getting darby promoted you know like so to be able to jump right. from darby to yep. chelsea without it's almost like an arteta situation um but frank did have management experience but it's just you know it wasn't i think he could have i think it could have helped him to stay at darby or another club for uh you know a little longer before making a big jump to a new like a big club but Matt, your thoughts on uh, Chelsea, I guess, here. I think I think my main thought is that I, I, I don't believe Lampard is... I, I don't believe Lampard's the answer. I, I do believe they need to start thinking about somebody else. My only worry when we kind of go through the managerial possibilities is I, I do think they'd be better off not going around that weird merry-go-round of constant like a weird merry-go-round of like constant managers who get fired and rehired by top teams like the Tuchels like the I know you like Ancelotti but I feel like he kind of goes around with different teams I feel like uh Komen is another guy who's I don't think long for Barcelona um so it, I would I would prefer I, I think Chelsea need to to look at I, I kind of think they need to look a little bit into what PSG, I think, are trying to commit to themselves with Pochettino, where they're taking a coach who has done it before, who can also build a style and build a team up, even if it means there, there could definitely be some growing pains there, because I think Chelsea still have some growing pains just with different players, but they need to look for, try to look for like an up, up and coming coach or a coach who hasn't done it on a big squad before honestly like you know the coach for someone like an rb leipzig or you know i I, is that nagelsman i always get the two that are the rb managers mixed up one of them so salzburg is marsh and leipzig is nagelsman yeah so like go i know maybe chelsea will never do that because they're man they're i feel like their ownership cares more about the popularity or how big of a name it is instead of somebody who is a bit more of a wild card. But I think if you were to try to take a manager who's shown success at different levels, doesn't have to be England. It, it could be any of these countries, but if you can find one that's done it and shown the ability to win and pr- progress in tournaments, progress in, you know, just league results they need to try to go that route and, and see what they can do. Try to build a team instead of getting rid of Lampard and going, well, who, who's the big free agent coach right now that is going to come in, 
really not instill any type of culture, just be there to, to babysit a bunch of big names, put them out there with whatever style he runs. And then if it doesn't work in another year and we're not winning cups, let's get the next one. I, I just, I, I don't want to see that merry-go-round continue. And I think that's where Chelsea need to just look at that now. I mean, the reason I would take Ancelotti is because he, you know, he played, he did, he did well for Chelsea um, when he was here. He won the title in his first season at Chelsea, and then uh, in, you know, but, usual but he, Chelsea he, style, he got fired for finishing second place the next year. See that that like is is he somebody? That's where I, I I understand he probably didn't do anything wrong, but I think Chelsea's leader or ownership needs to to stop with that. They need to Me too. bring in some, they need to bring in somebody who, and, and honestly, the only reason why I kind of say like Ancelotti is because I, I know he's been at Chelsea before and it's, it just feels like he's another big name coach that the moment he doesn't come in first in something, they're going to be like, you couldn't do it. Peace out. Let's bring in the next big name guy. So I, I just, I want to see, I, I want to see more teams in soccer in general do it because I don't, that's probably one of my biggest gripes in terms of how ownership runs in, in, in over in Europe is that they, they don't try to, so many teams don't try to build anything. They just kind of try to find mm-hmm. the next big name and then they just go, well, it didn't work for a year. Peace out. We're, we're going to find the next, there's always somebody who's a free agent. It feels that way. Like, well, West Chelsea's went, trying to do that with Frank, but it's not currently I think working. That's where they need somebody who's done it before. I know yeah. uh, it's not maybe the best example because I, I Klopp was a fairly big name, but at the same huge time, name, yeah. he was a huge name, but he had proven, I don't feel like he was the, he wasn't in one of those top five, top 10 managers. I think you still had to deal with the, with the Jose Mourinho's and you still had the um, Alex Ferguson's and you saw you had, there were so many big names out there that, that he was still kind of on the outskirts and what he needed to do. He did, had success with Mainz and he had success with Dortmund. And so Liverpool went, we're going to give you this job to turn this team around instead of giving it to, you know, like they, they tried Roy Hodgson. They tried, um, I hate that. Uh, Kenny Daglish. They like, they, they kind of like brought back guys who either had coached or, you know, Roy Hodgson is, seems to go to every team in England probably at some point. But I don't feel like those. They're just they just feel so much like stop gaps, and they tried it with Rogers, didn't work. So then they went to Klopp, and and it did. And I think that's that's something Chelsea Nagelsmann would probably be the number one choice, I would think, because I feel like he can bring a completely different style. He's even worked with Werner, so maybe that I I don't know if he would come over to Chelsea, but you know I I think you'd be looking at such a a, a much more successful coach and someone who has shown, I think, more in his managerial experience than Lampard really ever has. Definitely, yeah. And it sounds like, this is where it kills me, it sounds like our number one name on the list was uh, Pochettino until PSG snapped him up. And I'm like, well, why were we? (laughs) I get it. I mean, Frank had a good finish last year after Pulisic put the theme on his back for a bit. But um, it, it, you know, like, when you have managers like Pochettino just sitting out there, that was kind of, you know, brutal to just see them, you know, go to PSG. Um, not that I feel like he will last long there, though, to be honest, because I, if I'm PSG, he doesn't really fit what I'm looking for in the sense of 
if I'm going after Pochettino, I would want him to build something, like you're saying. Build something, but also then you now have money that you didn't have at Tottenham to supplement building that something. Um, that's why I think Chelsea would have been a good fit for him if Chelsea would be patient. But again, there's no saying that they would be. Um, the, the reason why I say Ancelotti is because I do feel like he would be able to be a stopgap for a bit until we would be able to get somebody like Nagelsmann. I don't think he's coming over yet. I, I don't think Nagelman's, Nagelsmann is leaving yet. Um, so I, I'm not really... And, and anybody asking for... Which I've seen people asking for Jesse Marsh from uh, Salzburg. Um, I, I definitely don't think he's ready for a big jump to uh, EPL side. I'd rather him stay away from the Premier League because they do not treat American managers well there for when Bob Bradley was there. Um so I'm not too keen on, like, I, I do think they need a stopgap, though, and then eventually build something. I don't think Nagelsmann would even come to Chelsea anyway, because the squad is, yes, it's talented, but there's a lot of a lot of issues with this squad in the sense of Kovacic, Giorgino, Conte have not been super great um, this season. So they they would definitely need even more midfielders. Um, at this point, the defense hasn't been great. Um, now we're linked to another goalkeeper. You know, it, it's it really is just turmoil uh, at Chelsea that if I was any sort of manager, I'm probably staying away from them. Uh, you know, I mean, they can hire me if they want. I would do it for like a million dollars. I'd be really cheap. So, you know, like, that would be... I'm really good at FIFA. I, I would take it on. I, I would be cheap, too. They don't even have to spend, you know, whatever absurd amount that they're spending on managers at a time. Can you just bring us with you if you do? Yeah, that you'd job? be my assistant. Okay. That'd be good. Oh, good, good. Um, yeah, I figure that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, if I'm Nagelsmann, I'm waiting until Klopp leaves Liverpool, maybe, or I'm waiting until Bayern opens up. You know, like if I'm Nagelsmann, or that's Pep leaves. what I'm doing. Um, yes, yes, sure, yeah. But I'm not going to Chelsea, Arsenal, um, any of those teams. Um, and the reason why I'm hung up on Ancelotti at times is because I feel like he's the one that got away at a, at a point. I, that's really when I started following the team heavily and we had just won the title and then we finished second place and then there he's, he's just fired. Um, which was, you know, I, I think there should have been a longer time there for, for Ancelotti than just two seasons. Um, but like you said, that was Chelsea's mentality back then. They've been trying to change that with how they're handling Frank. Uh, I'm surprised the pressure took this long, and it sounds like he's actually going to have a long time here to try to correct it. That so much so it could be all the way up until the when we face Atletico in the Champions League, which would be mid-February. So it does seem like um, they're going to give him the time, which is which is fine. But Frank does need to show that he's actually going to be able to turn this around and not, um, you know, he has to show that tactically as well. It can't just be, he, I feel like the players always look lost. They don't know where they're supposed to be. And I feel like that's, that's on him. So let's move on real quick. Uh, we are running out of time. So let's just quickly, I guess, talk, let's talk Arsenal and then let's talk relegation. Uh, Arsenal has jumped up from like 14th to 11th. They've had three straight wins, as I think we've alluded to earlier in the show. They just beat West Brom by like, was it 4 nothing? 
and then they just beat uh, Brighton 1-0, and they beat Chelsea, which we talked about, 3-1. So that's three straight wins. Uh, pretty impressive win over West Brom. Sorry, Matt, uh, for, for Arsenal there. Um, <laughs> it's a sore spot, I know. Um, but Arsenal starting to um, turn it around. And when we look at their lineups here, uh, when they get on the field, they've been, you know, Lacazette's been playing really well. He scored two goals in the West Brom match. Uh, Saka scored again. Tierney scored even. Aubameyang played. But I feel like they're starting to really get some of these young players playing, and they're fighting for, you know, the the uh, the emblem on the shirt. You know, Lacazette scored against Brighton as well. So he's been... Starting to turn it on while Aubameyang was you know, kind of absent for a bit, not really doing much. Um, but th- these young players are coming in; they're starting to turn it on, and you know they have a shot at climbing the table. You know, even more. They're only three points behind uh, Aston Villa, and they're only actually six points behind Chelsea now. So. Uh, oh no, they're actually only three points behind Chelsea now. So there, there you go. That's how much those three wins just immediately changed everything. And we were just talking about how Arsenal could be in relegation battles, and that Arteta's in trouble. And now they're uh, they're, they're only three points off of Frank Lampard's Chelsea. So let's start with you, Matt. Arsenal turning it on. Do they have a shot of leapfrogging Chelsea here in the upcoming matches? Uh no. I, I I don't think they'll be leapfrogging Chelsea. They they've definitely looked uh they have looked more impressive. I think incorporating some of their youth has been a a big change for Arteta because it felt like he was kind of just in this rut of playing the overpriced veterans and now he's kind of taken some risks really, which is kind of something teams in that situation probably need to do. Um, I don't, I don't think they're still better than you know the top half of the table. Um, even when they're on their best, I don't. You know they they played well against Chelsea. Um, however, I, you know they should be beating West Brom. I hate saying that because Liverpool should be beating West Brom too, but that didn't happen. Um, so should City be beating West Brom, and that didn't happen. And Chelsea should be okay. Well, that's a whole other issue. Um, but they're just. It's a great run of results. However, with the way the season's going, you definitely want to see them follow up those results without breaking down completely. Where it seems to be like what teams will do at this point is, you know, Chelsea will Chelsea had a huge run of, of games and then all of a sudden they lose a couple in a row. Or Liverpool have a great run of games and then all of a sudden they're drawing and losing. Or... Um, Tottenham, same thing. You know, they they get to the top, and then all of a sudden they're dropping a few games. A team like Arsenal are more than likely a team that you would look to think would do that. You would like to see them, you know, out of their next four or five games, win a couple, draw a couple, and maybe and lose that last one, or win a couple, and you know they might lose a couple, but you want to see them end up with at least, I would say if you're looking at just in general, like five, six games, you would want them to get at least 50% of those points. And then you can kind of go like, okay, they're, they're on their way 
to stabilizing whatever happened. Um, but we could be sitting here in a couple of weeks going, Arsenal have now lost another three games and they're back at 14th or 15th place battling relegation. So I, I, I think we'll see a lot in this next month. Your thoughts, Logan, on Arsenal and their, uh, I mean, this is the best run they've had all season, three straight wins. Yeah, I mean, they've defended pretty well, fourth um, in goals allowed. I mean, that's pretty good. They just, they've never, they've not been able to score. And now they, they are. They now have a positive, so yeah, they, for the first time, they have a positive goal difference. It, it's nuts. Like, they don't, they don't give up goals very, I mean, I think they've got a great keeper. I think that they've got a good job in the back. Um, and I think Arteta actually does know how to get people going defensively. Maybe that's what Chelsea need. Um, but I think that, and he played pretty well with that back three in the season last year and the restart. Um, it just seems like he's figured out defensively what's going on. It's just been their attack. And if they were to add somebody in the middle, um, I think that they would be, you know, I think they'd start going back up towards, you know, eight or seven. Um, I do think that they've got, I mean, I think West Ham's in front of them. Um, I'm not sure where Villa ends up or if they continue to play like they do, um, what happens. But, uh, you know, I think that they've they've been pretty impressive. They're, they're not going to get relegated. So um, that's, <laughs> I guess that's really good news for anybody that's fans. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm pretty impressed with them. I, I think that they're not going to beat the big teams. I don't believe um, Chelsea might be the only team that I think that compare um, comparatively speaking, I think they've, they've played pretty similar um, now, um, which is kind of sad for Chelsea, but um, yeah, I, I I'm impressed with them and I, I think that it continues. All right, let's talk relegation before getting out of here. Um, Fulham, in 18th, but we said they have the two games in hand. They've had some cancellations recently. They just had the cancellation against uh, Spurs, and they had a cancellation against Burnley, right? Yeah, that was another one. So they they just had two games canceled. They're at 11 points. Brighton has played those matches. Brighton is at 14 points, so theoretically, if Fulham can grab a win or two, they could actually leapfrog uh Brighton and pull Brighton back into the relegation. We have West Brom with eight points. Um who are just destined to go down now. I don't think Allardyce is going to be able to save them. They did well against Liverpool, uh, but they then lost against Leeds 5-0 and Arsenal 4-0. So maybe they should have played the 6-4 uh, formation against those teams as well. And then we have Sheffield United with two points, which, like we said in the beginning of the show, is going to be record setting um uh, i i don't know when sheffield gets a win to be honest at this at this rate here let me look at their next few matches they have um well they have bristol coming up in one of the cup matches here in the fa cup or half a point for that they should get half a point (laughs) (laughs) uh they have newcastle next tuesday they have tottenham on the 17th they have Manchester United on the 27th, and they have Manchester City on the 30th. Sounds crazy. That's a that's a big gauntlet there. Maybe they could get points against Newcastle. Then they have West Brom, which you know that's going to be a relegation battle in the second on the second of February, and then they have Chelsea, which you know with the way they're playing, who knows? But then you have West Ham, Fulham, and Liverpool. 
So uh, that's through February. Maybe they can get a point against Fulham. Maybe they can get some against West Ham or West Brom, but they're not in a good spot to... I mean, if I'm thinking when they're going to get their first win... April? Against Brighton, maybe? <laughs> or Fulham in February? That's like, brutal. it's going to be a long time. <laughs> it's it's brutal. Their, their stretch is brutal that they have coming up here. So, um... I feel Matt, like you're... if you give two points, every stretch is going to be brutal. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, they've got one of those points in the last five matches here, and that was against what Brighton. Points? It was it was Brighton and Fulham, right? Or the, yeah, or so the maybe goals? they'll get four points for the rest of the year. Maybe they get two more points here. It's it, it, it's going to be history. I, I think they'll they'll be making history. I, I just don't see it any other way. Like you said, where where do you get a win? When you look at the table, the the top fourteen teams are all hand like the the top fourteen teams. I saw this um actually on Reddit yesterday with Palace at twenty two points. That's the highest point total for a team with in fourteenth place since in like the nineteen nineties. <clears throat> and Liverpool's thirty three at the top is one of the lowest since the nineteen nineties. So it. The fact that there's 11 points separating first and 14th, those teams are clearly hands and above better than the teams toward the bottom. But even then, Newcastle has 19, Burnley has 16, and that's with two games in hand, meaning they could go up theoretically. To, they, I mean, not even theoretically. They could have 22 points if right. they get those wins. And Fulham could also end up with... Well, actually, I don't think Fulham, because I think that's one of the games, but... You know, Fulham could be 14 or 17, depending on how those games go. I, I, it, there really is no, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they beat West Brom. Maybe they beat them in the rematch. Maybe they beat Fulham in a rematch. I, but the rest of the teams, I, I don't see it. And honestly, I think. Fulham and even then. Probably, go ahead, sorry. I would say I think Fulham are, might even be a better team than Brighton, with honestly with how they've been playing recently. But I also oh, think whoa, 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 whoa. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Don't <laughs> um, send my boys down. Recently. Um, well, I, I, and honestly, when we talk about relegation, I think West Brom and Sheffield, I, I don't see a way out for either of those two teams. And I, I really think it's going to be a battle between Fulham and Brighton for, for 18th. I think Burnley find a way. Um, their defense is usually decent enough. And actually, when looking at it, the only team around them that... <clears throat> Arsenal is like the next closest team around them defensively. Um, you know, they don't score, but they at least stop teams from scoring, which can't be said about Sheffield or West Brom. Um, it, it's, it doesn't look good. I, I don't see it. I, I think maybe five points is their max. And like you said, they need, if they win against Fulham or they win against West Brom, great. But they need, they have two points. Brighton right now is at 14 points. They would realistically, to be able to hop out of here, would need four or five more wins and Brighton not winning anything. Like, you know, that, that that's realistically what they would need, and that's a very long shot when they haven't even gotten one win. And it's, it's even more impressive, though, because this is a season where clearly there's no consistency among any of the teams. So every team is, in a sense, beatable every single game. 
like we said, you know, West Brom drew against City, Chelsea, and Liverpool, yet Sheffield are the only team, the only thing that's been incredibly consistent is Sheffield's inability to get any points. That, that, in, in my opinion, that's the only consistency that's happened. It's true. And, I, and not, it, them not scoring. Impressive. They have eight goals uh, compared to Burnley's nine. So you it's, have... <laughs> that, that, that's how many goals they have total is eight. It, it's impressive because you would think in a season like this, you wouldn't have a clear cut. I, I feel like you shouldn't be having a clear cut relegation battle. If you clearly have a no clear cut top one or, you know, title battle, there's no clear cut top four. There's no clear cut top seven or even top 10, but somehow you have a clear worst team ever in this season. And that's, I think that just shows how, poor they are because in a normal year they might even be even worse because there might be a good seven or eight teams just dominating everything and then the rest of the teams beat up on each other and then you end up with a team kind of taking the the brunt of whatever reverberates off of that but it's impressive for enough teams to be super close to each other and still be that bad uh, what I would say about Brighton, though, is the only thing they have really going for them over Fulham is that they score goals. They have 21 goals. They give up 28, though. But Fulham has only scored 13 on the year and given up 23 on the year. Um, so the goal differential is better on Brighton. And um, them being able to score almost eight more goals than Brighton uh, than Fulham, I think, gives them a good chance uh, to survive. But Fulham's in the better form right now. Um, and they have the two games in hand, so we'll see how that all plays out. Um, but yeah, I guess you that. Hear some fun. Yeah, yeah go you ahead. Here's some, something fun before we leave. Speaking of Sheffield, Chris Wilder supposedly, according to sources, has left the club. <laughs> like they said, they can't really? find him. They don't know where he went. And they said that they thought it was just rumors or hearsay. But they said that two of the more reliable people, one is an old Sheffield player named Kevin Gage. Uh, who also is a journalist now for the team. And then also Alan Biggs, who is actually supposedly the most trusted journalist, says that he says, even I'll admit, I'm worried. He said that the people that are around the situation that are usually talking to him about this kind of stuff are silent and said they're not saying anything. So they think he's just walked away. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> he's also not... He's like gotten none of he he got no money approved for January, which honestly at this point the owners have to be going. Well, hell, we're just going to save it for for summer when we go down to the championship because that's what yeah. we're going to need it. Um, but yeah, no fun fun stuff. Here you go, the uh, top goal scorers right now: Mon, uh, Mohamed Salah with thirteen, Son with twelve, Calvert Lewin with eleven, and now we have Bruno Fernandez cracking the top four with eleven, and Jamie Vardy with uh, in fifth with eleven. So there is your top goal scorers right now as it stands. Um, but yeah, that about wraps us up here. So uh, if you want to give us a follow, we did just give away an Edison Cavani Funko Pop. The winner has claimed it. So congratulations. Uh, we, I'm not going to say who won it on the show just in case of privacy, but we did direct message them and they did claim it and we will be shipping that out to them and keep following us because we're going to be giving away a Marco Verratti PSG Funko at some point coming up as well. But you can follow us on Twitter at... So we're celebrating Pochettino. At, yeah, there you go. We're <laughs> celebrating the Pochettino news um, of a league we don't usually cover. But... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but okay, there you go. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Stop It Show, Facebook.com slash Stop It's Time Soccer Show, uh, Instagram at Stop It's Time Soccer Show, or email us at Stop It's Time Show at gmail.com. And we will catch you all next time. Kane has stolen it at the death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.